Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now save $30 on the American-made steel FS56 RCE trimmer. Real steel. The FS56 RCE is made in America of U.S. and global materials. Offer valid through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. the gates and ready to go hot bite with honey with row underway on the tuesday edition glad you're with us six and peabody our location with yop beer and old smoky moonshine coming up jim Nagy will join us executive director of the reese's senior bowl that's later this hour plus john mcclain on all of the nfl headlines chad a big show today good afternoon good afternoon hutton good to be here did you suffer through the monday night football i did last night i did uh put something else on at one point and kind of kept good it job. on my phone the whole time Peeking over to see what was going to happen. Thought my guy Josh Dobbs had pulled one out of the fire with that touchdown pass to TJ Hawkinson. But when they After got the, the fumble, fumble from yeah. there, I'm th- when they, they didn't gain a yard, I don't think, on the next sequence and punted it back, I'm thinking, oh, this is probably not going to go the way of the Vikings and Josh Dobbs. That was a miserable slugfest where a team won on the road without scoring a single touchdown and having over 75 yards of penalties and multiple turnovers, good news for the Bears was Josh Dobbs had four interceptions yes. in the game. And honestly, could have been maybe fewer, a couple caromed off a receiver into the arms. Also could have been more. Could have been a pick six in there that was dropped at one yes. point by Jalen Johnson. So rough night for Josh Dobbs. Missed on Addison on a big touchdown pass. That looked like a quarterback that's played with a bunch of teams over the last it few years, like last that. year. Davies the under now 12 and 1 on Monday Night Football. 13, 13 and 1. The and under one. for Monday Night Football. It's the bright lights of Monday Night Football really makes offenses afraid and we saw it again last yes. night. Yes, uh, we'll uh, have some thoughts in just a moment on tonight's college football playoff rankings that will be announced prior to the final week for championship weekend. Chad, uh, last week we had Andrew Kramer on the show. We did. And discussed long-form journalism. Uh, and now journalism is now in quotation marks uh, across the board, really, uh, because of clickbait and, in many cases, race bait. And that's the, the latest that we have uh, from Outkick.com surveying uh, what's going on with, with Deadspin and blackface for a kid at a, at a game. So let's get into this. Uh, and you can read a reaction from Bobby Barak at Outkick.com right now to this. I, I'm going to give you my commentary uh, on all of this from, from Deadspin. Uh, in an article written by Karen J. Phillips, you know you're a serious journalist when you have the middle initial. So you got to add that middle that initial in capitalized. there. Karen, capital J, Phillips, who paints himself as a capital J journalist, uh, has this headline, the NFL needs to speak out against the Kansas City Chiefs fan in blackface native headdress. Now, this is a profile shot of a child uh, that does have black face paint on. When you see the full photo that I know Bobby Barak has been circulating at outkick.com, you see that the other half of the face is, is red. And it's red and black for the Kansas City Chiefs. Okay? I'm not here to comment on whether or not that is an appropriate uh, outfit for a kid to wear to a game or face paint or, or whatever it is. I will comment on this, though, and this is a new rule, and I think this should be a hard and, hard and fast rule for journalists with a capital J everywhere. Stop covering kids. 
St- stop printing photos of them. Stop claiming that they're racist. Stop saying that the NFL or any organization needs to somehow release a statement because a broadcast showed a kid in face paint that's watching his favorite team play in Las Vegas, and now the NFL needs to react to it. If you are truly a journalist with a capital J, stop covering kids and calling them racist. The only racists involved in these stories are the racist journalists with a capital J, or in this case, the racist with a capital J in the middle of his name, Karin J. Phillips. Those are the only racists involved in this story because we all remember being kids. And you know when everyone was the least prejudiced to anything was when they were a child because they didn't have BS like this being fed to them left and right when they grew up. They didn't know any better. And by God, what a magical time when you could play with anyone, play sports with anyone, did not care what their religion was, what race they were, or anything else, what political affiliation they were, didn't care. One of the magic things about sports is that you don't care. So stop dragging kids into this deadspin. And for people calling deadspin mainstream media, it is not. Deadspin has become a liberal rag on the far left. And this is yet another example. It is not mainstream media. Now, people have issues with mainstream media, and that term gets thrown around a lot. I would like a clear definition that this is not mainstream media. Deadspin is no longer mainstream media. It never was mainstream media, quite frankly. The last time it was is when they broke the Manti Teo fake girlfriend story, which was a good piece of journalism by then. That's the last thing I can say that was noteworthy that that site has done. This is noteworthy for the wrong reasons. Painting a kid as a racist because he's in face paint for his team is gross and it needs to stop. And if you want to say you're a journalist with a capital J, here's a new rule for you. Stop claiming kids are racist. Stop covering kids. Stop writing about them. Stop publishing photos of them. It's a child. This is ridiculous clickbait BS that we talk so much about. Yes, and let's just not uh, stop there just because they're on the left-hand side of this. Clickbait, period. You know, it's BS. Chad, I I agree with you. It's BS uh, across the board if it's just going to be about clicks, you know, and inciting one side or the other and inciting, for whatever reason, other outlets to cover other outlets. That's basically where the coverage of the media is right now covering other sites and what they've said and then a response and then the other sites doing the same thing coming up with a flashy headline to get you to click on it so they can report back to those that are going to advertise that's all this is about it's not journalism it's not it's it's certainly not on the up and up it's simply about getting you to click on it me to click on it chad to click on it so until we stop clicking on the bs that's going to continue. There's a reason why real sports isn't around anymore after their final episode coming up. Yeah. It's because people aren't watching that. They're clicking on this crap. And then other sites are covering other sites. And that's pretty much the cyclical nature of where we are. It's just, it's, Ted, don't you find it boring? Oh, very boring. I find it extremely boring and sad. Yeah, I, I find that's all it, it is. I find it boring, and I find it, I find it sad that someone actually reads that article and thinks, "Yeah, the NFL should release a statement on this kid uh, who's in face paint uh, of of his favorite team." 
that if anyone actually agrees with that, I, I feel sad that that's where we are right now. And yeah, I, I, I mean, feel sad. Look, this is not just a lesson for left-leaning uh, media no. or just right-leaning media or down-the-middle media. This is a lesson for everyone. Stop trying to insert racism into every story when it doesn't yes. exist. Because when you do that, you take away from stories where it may actually exist. You water down the market so much that people stop believing that racism could actually be a thing because they click on a story like this and they see Karen J. Phillips claiming a child is racist because he's wearing face paint of his favorite team's colors. It's dumb. Well, and I, it, it hurts everything when this happens. And then you're right, Hutton. We get into this tennis match. That's all it of is. How dare you write that? Now I'm going to do this. Now you're going to issue a statement. Now, now you need to issue a statement because, because both you audiences did this. are clicking and, on it. Yeah, it's just, it's, it's, it, 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 it's the, dumb. The author of this, you just insert name here. I mean, I feel like today's media is ad libs. There's like five well, main things. In, 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 and you, in, you just use a different adjective or verb and you just write in the open blanks on the headline and the story, and then repost the same crap over and over and over again. What do we, I mean, what does all this become? Where, uh, it, it, going back to your point, and I've, I've been on the soapbox about this, sports is, it should be the playground of life. I don't care going to a stadium who I'm sitting next to. And far too many people now are trying to push a narrative that I should care who I'm sitting next to. I don't, because it's the game. We have that and, what, a concert where I, I highly doubt people on the left or the right really listen to the lyrics that they find catchy in a song nowadays. That's about all you can do is a concert or a game. And for what some players have done off the field, if they're good on the field, by God, we're going to stand up and cheer. That's just what happens. Those are the only two places where you don't care. And I... I hope we can keep it that way instead of covering a reaction to a shot of a fan in the stands. Yeah, and look, we... we because that's what this is. You know, we were asked to cover um, a story that we did about the, the high school kid that got banned yeah. or suspended right. because he did something right. And um, uh, look, I, I think that's dumb for the school to do that. But my, my issue... I got to be really clear here. It's 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 pure on on all sides of this. Yes. It's stupid for a principal to automatically assume that a kid is being racist because something happens and to automatically jump there and suspend a kid for that. Just like it's really idiotic to publish a photo of a child and say, "Hey, the NFL needs to respond to this because this kid is in blackface." No, he's not. Kid has no clue what he's doing cuz he's in war paint that he dressed up in because it's the Kansas City Chiefs playing. But yeah. Now, this article goes on to say, it, it goes a lot of different directions. The Chiefs' name needs to go away. The NFL not getting rid of it. They're racist for that. Even though the NFL goes out of their way to put in racism in the end zone, uh, it's, it takes all of us. It's just, it's all so exhausting. And, a, and 133 million people watch games on Thanksgiving, regardless of what side you're on with whatever they're putting in the end zone. Second highest viewing audience since, uh, in, in the history of Thanksgiving Day games, only to last year. So for all of the, again, there, there's a lot of talk and a lot of arguing going on. It's actually just chatter is what it is. And, you know, it, we praise Dana White because what does he do? He ignores 
all of the cancel culture BS that's going on, right? Well, why give any fuel to anyone trying to do that? If you ignore them the way that Dana would ignore them, the way Chad and I would ignore them, then you don't give them any audience instead of covering what they're saying constantly on both sides. It's maddening to me, but it's the way it is because the public apparently clicks on it because of a catchy headline. And sometimes the catchy headline leads to a first sentence where it's like, oh, yeah, probably not, but got you. Got you to click on it anyway. That's also BS. Yeah, I mean, look, this article is is BS, and I'll just say that uh, none of the back and forth interests me uh, all that much. And no. when it becomes, I mean, you can beat a horse for so long until it is beaten and killed. And, and that's where we are right now. I, I can only say the same thing so many times, and I can only hear the same thing so many times before it's time to move on and think about something more interesting to discuss yeah. or other topics to get into because th- this is just stupid. But again, I- in summation, let's avoid calling kids racist. L- let's avoid jumping to that and assuming the absolute worst at all times. That is a lesson not just to Deadspin, but to every media outlet on the face of the earth. See, I think Let's it's- take the responsibility of not publishing photos of kids and not assuming they're all racist because we don't like something they're wearing at a game. That's but I, I, dumb. I, think it's, I think it's the audience. I, I actually believe the audience is more intelligent than just feeding into this. Because if you don't feed into it, then the media is not going to do this. Because at the very top, all they care about are these little numbers that they're going to turn in, and it's going to determine whether or not they're successful or not. I mean, I'd like to think that. That's what it I, is. I, I, well, I'm saying I'd like to think that the audiences are smarter. But, but what, what, I, I, I'm not so sure anymore. <laughs> well, I don't know what the audience it's, is. It's conditioned I, to look, click on we, it. we know this. We know, as Hutton said, that, what, 33 million people 133 in, million uh, More people. people watched NFL games on, on Thanksgiving than ever right. before. So people are watching. I, I believe there's not a lot of, uh, unless you saw the child, uh, in the Kansas City Chiefs face paint and got offended. There's not a ton of like political division when I watch the game or a lot of no. hot button issues. It's football that I watched on on Thanksgiving Day and uh, good. There are people tuning in to watch that, so that's that's encouraging to me. Stories like this, responses to this, the back and forth, the exhausting nature of it. None of that is encouraging to me. So what you're saying is just we, we should just keep this on a loop. What we said when it comes to the next story that someone will put out about well, this. Well, I mean, because that's what I, it is. You know, I, I'm having a hard time. Like, <laughs> you're either you're either trying to push this narrative or you're uh, fighting against it, and it's kind of the again, it's just you fill in the the blank on five main yeah, topic I, and look, talking I, points. That's what it is. I'm a really good interviewer. <laughs> I, I say that because I know that I am. I'm having a hard time coming up with different questions to ask guests that we have on regularly to get a different response from them. Um, I, I, I see people that watch our show every day, and I know they do. They probably get tired of hearing the same thing on repeat over and over from a guest. So I, I have I to get so. creative to ask things that someone could talk about. But I feel like we've got so much. It's just, you know, take the toy and take the string and pull it back, and then you're going to get the same thing coming out every single time. And I, 
I believe people are smart deep down. I, I think people get tired of certain things. And maybe I'm wrong, but I, I believe that to be true. And I think our audience can see through that, and, and they like something a little different. Uh, so let's talk about something a little different. Commanders Cowboys averaged 41.8 million viewers. Second most watched NFL regular season game on record behind last year's Giants-Cowboys game. And the early game on Fox, Packers-Lions, 33.7 million. That's the most watched early game on Thanksgiving Day. That's a new record. And in primetime, 49ers-Seahawks, 26.9 million. The highest primetime Thanksgiving game since 2015. And the second highest since NBC began broadcasting Thanksgiving Day games in 2012. So... All the scheduling, all the messaging, the matchups, ultimately, it's about ball. And we all tune in for that. It's not divisive one side or the other for that. Until the ball becomes and, almost unwatchable, like last yeah, night's ball, football game. Until the football's racist. But it was it was strangely watchable. Even though the football was bad, I was I was still into the close game. Coming up, what we will learn tonight with the college football playoff rankings. What's up, everyone? It's Nick Wright, and I got something exciting to talk to you about today. Angie, your ultimate destination for getting all your jobs done well. Now, Angie isn't just your average home services marketplace. It's a game changer with over 150 million homeowners served and a network of over 200,000 skilled pros. Angie has experience and expertise to tackle any project with ease. Whether you're looking to spruce up your backyard or undergo a major home renovation, Angie's got your back. And their pros are locally based, often running small businesses right in your community. And here's the best part. Angie makes the process seamless. From researching and comparing pros to scheduling services at your convenience, Angie's user-friendly platform puts you in control. So why settle for anything less than perfection when it comes to your home? With Angie, you can trust every project will be completed with the utmost care and professionalism. So get started at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I. Or download the app today to discover why homeowners across the nation are turning to Angie to get all their jobs done well. Sixth and Peabody are located with Ehop Beer and Old Smoky Moonshine. Hot Mike with Henry Withrow rolls on across the Outkick Network, which includes YouTube, and you can join Chad in the chat right now. It's uh, it's busy, Chad. You're very saying. busy. People have opinions on in a good way. Yeah, our audience is smart. I give them credit. Nuanced. Yes. Nuance is good. N- nuance does not have to be a bad word. It doesn't have to be feared. Chad, I don't know how much you put into the weekly college football playoff rankings. I probably overvalue it. But I do think it gives us a glimpse of the room. Now, the first couple of weeks, there wasn't a shakeup, right? But at least that tells us that They've got the team slotted the way they were in the room week after week. Georgia ends up skipping over Ohio State. Now, we expect Ohio State to fall out after the loss to Michigan. Georgia and Michigan would be number one, number two, followed by Washington and Florida State. But if Florida State's not at four, and they should be, it should be the unbeatens. That is a huge red flag for their opportunity to get into the playoff 
when winning the ACC. Am I wrong in that? Because the oh yes, but, yeah, I mean you are not wrong. Okay, because the the unbeaten should be the top four, and if the unbeaten's remain unbeaten this weekend, that should be the college football playoff. It should not change based on that result if we have the top four set. We have seen Florida State fall out and flip with Washington. It was based on more or less their schedule than it was, I think, Jordan Travis. But we will find out tonight where they value the Seminoles without Jordan Travis. If you really want to buy into the fact that they're going to somehow leave them out because they're projecting what they would do in the playoff, trying to avoid blowouts. I mean, that's typically what we get anyway, and at least in one of the two games. We got that last year in one, certainly not the other with Georgia and Ohio State. But if we see Oregon, for instance, pop in there for whatever reason, and they try to set up the uh, three and four, and then you have the championship game determine the team that gets in, I still don't think that's a great sign for Florida State because the Seminoles need to be in going into the weekend to where it's a no-brainer that the unbeaten ACC champ is in, regardless of what's going on on championship weekend, what, what could be possible upsets. Washington would be an upset right now over Oregon. So if they're viewing Oregon the way that Vegas is viewing Oregon, that's why I'm making the case that Oregon should not be at four, but Vegas would have them in there. They've got the they've got better odds to be in the playoff than three of the teams I'm talking about right now. So let's I I, I hope they do the setup to where it's the unbeaten's and the rest, and then how they stack Oregon, Texas, Bama. That will set the scene for if Bama beats Georgia, the tide getting in after championship weekend as the SEC champ. It would. The final year of the four-team playoff, the Southeastern Conference champion not getting into the playoff would be something, especially after last year where Saban, he got he went, he stood on the stump and made his case anytime ESPN was having a live broadcast that their two losses came on the final play of both games and that the tie deserved to be in. This is also considered to be one of his best coaching jobs ever. I agree with that. And the development week after week, the survival, if you want to point to, oh, it was the last play, look at what Washington's been doing with six games coming down to the wire and they're surviving like TCU did. They value that too in that room and they value the brand of Bama. Where is Bama right after the top four? And where is Florida State? Because if they're not at four, they're not getting in based on what they're telling us tonight. There's already an idea out there, and it's been out there for a while, that television networks run the show in college sports yes. and college football. And we talked about it with Bobby Carpenter. We've talked about it before. You know, these the networks, and they spend all the money for the college football, they don't like blowouts. They don't like backup quarterbacks playing in this playoff. That's the last thing they want. It's a TV show. You're right. It, it must be. If you were going to have the integrity of the sport in mind and not just placating to television and television contracts and everything else, if you want to truly be a meritocracy, which sports always should be, it has to be about what has happened and not what you think will happen. That is a very key distinction in all this. I am so tired of hearing from Alabama fans and others 
the question of, well, who do you think is better right now? This Alabama team with Jalen Milrow at quarterback or this Florida State team with Rodemaker, the backup at quarterback? It doesn't matter. Florida State's undefeated. If they stay undefeated, they should be in there as the ACC champion. And the unbeaten status is the key. unbeaten ACC champion. Again. What did they do do with Tennessee, though, last year? Do I think teams are more talented than other ones? Do I think that, you know, one team may be playing better right now than another one and would probably win? Do I think Vegas may put this team? uh, Nick Saban argued this a year ago. Well, look at at what Vegas says. I mean, they're saying we'd be favored against all three of the four teams, so we should definitely be in there. They're saying that about Oregon, too, to your point. Does not matter. It's not about what we think will happen. It is about what has happened. Resume is all that matter. It's not a projection. It's about what each team has done in 12 or 13 games over the course of a season and now over the course of what's going to be championship weekend. I don't care about what you think is going on right now. I don't care about who you think is the better matchup. I don't care about who you think is the deeper team or who has the better quarterback. Tell me what they've done and then slot those teams accordingly. That is all that should matter. When you start taking things into your own hands and start to project and talk about what will happen, that's when you jeopardize the integrity of this playoff. And, and I hate that. I hate the public politicking by coaches on this. I, I, I hate all of that stuff. Just show me what you've done. Totally agree. Hopefully they show us they value Florida State after what they did against Florida this past weekend. And I really hope it's four unbeaten conference champions that we're talking about in the playoff and that there is no controversy for this one year. That's right. That's A lot right. of people want to see it all burn and want to see chaos, and that is fun to follow and to cover. I kind of want it to play out where we get the four teams that won it, their conference undefeated And if you're saying, oh, well, Oregon is better than Florida State. Okay, well, Vegas is saying Oregon is a nine-and-a-half-point favorite over Washington. So are you saying Oregon should be ranked ahead of Washington Yeah, as let's well? not even play that game. Let's go right. ahead and right. – if, if Vegas decides, then let's get Oregon versus right. uh, Georgia for the national title. Why even have a semifinal? Let's, let's just let Vegas decide who should be in there based on a projection. I will say that. It's not how it works. But the head-to-head matchup, Tennessee won that game last year. They absolutely ranked Tennessee lower because of the quarterback injury. Yeah. They did. Absolutely. Alabama finished ahead of them. Yep. Saw it head to head and they didn't care. Uh, once uh, once Hendon Hooker went down a year ago, they flip-flopped for that reason. It is time for NFL overreaction. Davey Hudson has the floor. Guys, we're we're gonna talk some playoffs for the NFL, but real quickly, I just I want to push back, man. Like we have four slots, there's five conferences. Yeah. Even if you have an undefeated Florida State team. I don't necessarily think that's – and they're the ACC champion. That's better than a one-loss Big 12, Pac-12, SEC, or Big 10 champion. I would, I would say you're rightfully leaving them out just because of how bad the ACC is. I, I think they're undefeated. I, I think their schedule is fine. It may not be as great as, as some of the other ones, but I, I, I think you're in as an undefeated conference champion. And Florida State was in for and, and it's how also, many consecutive weeks? It's also, we, we've changed, I feel like we're changing the rules up on this. Well, but they do. Every right? year there's and, a Yeah, we're really like changing it as, it as we go along of, well, no, this conference better, so right. you know this team with one loss should get in. I, I, I don't love it. And, and here's what I hate about it. I really think, and Davey, your, your argument, I, I'm – more ready to hear that argument than the one I know is being made in that room. And that is they're playing with a backup quarterback. That's it. That's the argument. So if they squeak by Louisville and they squeak by – and they win by nine, but squeak by Florida a bit, and then the argument's going to be, hey, the team with, without Jordan Travis 
is barely beating these teams where the other team was better. That's the problem I have with it. That's right. I hear you. Well, guys, for NFL overreaction, this team did not squeak by this past Sunday, and I'm going to ask it for the third week, Chad. The Denver Broncos are making the playoffs. I still am going to say that's an overreaction. Uh, I, I, I think this has been a good run. I think they look competent, and they look a lot better. Um, I, I may look I may look stupid at the end of this. And they may just win out the rest of the way, for all I know. But Hutton, I still think they're going to miss the playoffs. I think, well, I think Houston is going to make the playoffs. Their schedule sets up very well. Houston plays and hosts Denver this week. To me, Could be a play this, is a, this is the tiebreaker for both of those teams because I don't think the Colts are getting in, even though the Colts are currently in. I don't think the Browns are getting in, uh, even though they're 7-4 and four right now. Um, the Bills are a playoff caliber team that don't look like one. They're currently behind Denver and Houston. Again, both of those teams play this week. Right now... I would say Houston over Denver, Davey, and I think it's an overreaction to say the Broncos are getting in. However, Sean Payton has done a great job starting one in five and being the joke of the league and turning this around to where they are right now. Fantastic job. Hud, you're kind of leading me down to this next one, but the AFC South is getting multiple teams into the playoff. I think so. And I think Jacksonville could be the number one overall seed. Uh, I mentioned this going into the season. Like they, just how things set up for them and the talent they have at different spots. They have playmakers on both sides of the football, uh, decent special teams as well, uh, long range kicker. Yeah. I mean, Jacksonville's getting in for sure. Um, they won the head to head matchup last week. And then Houston with CJ Stroud, they're not slowing down. And they get the Titans twice in the final three weeks of the season. So. Yes, I think AFC South, crazy enough, they get two teams in. And this was, what, five weeks ago, all four teams from the AFC North were in. Yeah, I, I think they're getting in. I think they're getting two teams also. I think Jags and Texans are going. Houston's uh, a seven seed. Loudest stadium I heard all weekend was not the big house for Ohio State Michigan. It was the Texans game. That place was on fire. That place is a barn, too. On Sunday. It's, it's loud. It was going nuts in that game. And uh, the big house, uh, historically not all that loud. Uh, the acoustics are not great, how far offset it is with all the, the seats and everything. But uh, I was impressed with the fan base on Sunday, impressed with that team. I think AFC South's going to land two teams in the playoffs. Okay. I'm right there with you guys. And, I mean, what if uh, we ended today, the Colts would also be in the playoffs. But – Talking about a team that playoffs are not in the conversation, the New England Patriots have the worst offense in the NFL. I mean, I'll take it yeah, a step further. Ridiculous. They may have the worst team in the NFL if it wasn't for the Carolina Panthers, but they, they're headed in that direction right now. Um, I, I think Carolina, I would argue, is also really bad. Uh, I'm watching them play the Titans on Sunday, Hutton, and I'm thinking you could have eight quarters and they're not going to score another touchdown uh, to tie this thing up. Watching that offense uh, not be able to block anyone <laughs> – in that game, uh, they're both right there for worst team in the NFL right now. Uh, I, I'm going to say, yeah, Patriots have the worst offense in the NFL right now. They have a quarterback that's splitting times with Mac Jones, who was the only quarterback they kept on the roster to begin the season. And they, they have just, it's not even falling off a cliff. Like it's one of those scenes from a movie where you have the car that just bursts into flames at the bottom. Uh, of uh, Just looking at the numbers right now, uh, for the teams, Chad, 
Um, I would put the Titans up there for some of the, the worst offense that we've seen. Carolina hasn't scored more than 15 points uh, since they played, uh, what was it, back in like week eight or week nine. It's been a while. And New England, who knows what they're up to. I, I think the Patriots are right there. And I think it's Carolina based on the fact that Tepper made a move. Uh, were you, to, to take a, your analogy a step further, I don't think they're the car that bursts into flames at the bottom of the fi- or uh, of the cliff. Okay, they're the team that the car burst into flames <laughs> while they're falling down because the production value is so low. You're just like, am I seriously watching this right now? But uh, guys, uh, going back to last night, you know, talking about Monday Night Football, but the Bears they get the win, and Justin Fields is the Chicago Bears starting quarterback in 2024. Yes, he is. With I think, a new head I think coach. he is too. I, I I can't tell. I think it's probably a little bit of both. If it's Justin Fields, that's the main problem, or it's the coaching he's getting is the main problem. Uh, he has not been good enough. He had it came up with a big throw when they needed it last night for that 34 yard completion that set them up for the game winning field goal. But I, I think even with all that, he's back to start next year as the starter. Yeah, and I I I don't think they can move him. Uh, as easily as people think, based on how many quarterbacks are in this draft. That's the other part of it. I think with the new head coaches that are coming into the league, Davey, um, you want to start with a quarterback from the draft, especially this draft. So Chicago's going to have multiple picks up top. But I I still think they can use those pieces to get a Marvin Harrison Jr. and uh, an offensive lineman and help him out. And that'll be a fun storyline to follow with new coaches coming in and all these quarterbacks because it'll be interesting to see which teams are looking to go for pairing a quarterback with a coach a la Bryce Young and Frank Wright. By the way, just total touchdowns this season. Patriots have 16. Panthers have 17. The New York Jets have 12. Mm. Left one off the list there that I should have gone to. There's there's your worst offense. Jim Nagy, he... Those offense, defense, special teams, the executive director of the Reese's Senior Bowl joins us next here on Hot Mike. Yeah, that's ridiculous. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Glad you're with us. Hot Mike with Hutton Withrow across the Outkick Network. Jim Nagy will join us uh, in just a couple of minutes here. Executive Director of the Reese's Senior Bowl. So, Hutton, David Braun at Northwestern was named the Big Ten Coach of the Year. And um, uh, I, Amazing. I, I, amazing job. And I've got to find it. Our guy, Danny Cannell, who is hilarious with the troll jobs yes. at, at times, um, had a great one with, with him in his, in his post on X, uh, if I can find it. Here you go. So he, he reposts the story about Braun winning Big Ten Coach of the Year. And Danny, a uh, good friend of the show, says, What a story. David Braun took over a disaster, went to work, built a great culture, never complained, never threw his players under the bus, no celebrity showed up, no college game day, nor Big Noon Fox, but he won. What a turnaround from one win a year ago to seven, not four. Wow. Obviously taking a shot at Deion Sanders, uh, another Florida State 
uh, former player right there the whole whole way through. It is true, though. Now, that division, the Big Ten West, one of the worst in the history of Power Five, but incredible job by David Braun where there were no expectations. Coming off a terrible season last year, um, the hazing scandal at Northwestern, losing Pat Fitzgerald, who's a bit of a legend for that program to begin with. And he comes in, new guy to the program, and guides them to seven wins in a bowl game, gets him Big Ten Coach of the Year. Great job by him. Chad, I'm looking up this. Uh, Davey sent this to us earlier this morning. Um, the over for Iowa in the Big Ten Championship game. Yeah. Um, Iowa's team total for each half of the Big Ten Championship game is set over under at half a point. Like, do you think they'll score in either half? I think I might take that one. But I, I feel like they get a turnover or that, luck into a field goal. I'm just at some thinking point. about your your description of the Big Ten. The team representing that division isn't actually expected over under. You uh, the, the score under a is point. minus one. Yeah, you actually you have better odds if you take the under. But it's not like it's a lopsided one way or the other. Think about that. And they're representing in the championship game, the West. I like the idea of um, something very different there. I like the idea of Dana Holgerson as their next offensive oh. coordinator at Iowa, who I know has some ties there. Go a completely different direction and, and put up some points. Because think about with their defense and what they were able to do, if they could score anything, yeah, how good of a team they could be. They're already 10-2 and two this year, given all of that. Jim Nagy joins us, Executive Director Reese's Senior Bowl, former NFL scout. Uh, Jim, hope you're doing well, man. Doing great. Doing great. You got dropping Dana Holgerson in Iowa on me as I was waiting to, to jump in with you guys. That's, uh, that's a new one. That's, uh, that's, uh, that, would be, that would be interesting. Do you love it or hate it when you hear the, the pairing? I, I kind of love it. You know, I mean, the only guy that uh, got a Senior Bowl invite this year from Iowa was their punter. So that tells you uh, the guy that probably got the most work in college football this year uh, in sheer volume. Tired uh, leg. Got a senior... Tired leg now, though. No yeah. one lo- knows <laughs> how to punt better than, uh, than uh, that Big Ten West this year across the board. He, yeah. Great punters. Yeah, we hope he doesn't have a dead leg by the time he gets to, uh, to Mobile here in February. Hey, so whenever, whenever you see the, the movement in coaching, are, or do you automatically just think of names that make sense? Does it just pop into you and, and think like, for instance, Iowa. We I think of tight ends, right? So, do you are you thinking automatically of a coordinator that's going to utilize the tight end? Well, I'm thinking of fits. Yeah, first of all, first of all, I'm thinking I'm bummed out for the guys that just lost their job. I think right. you know I'm obviously sensitive to that working in football, and and I think if you work in football long enough, you're going to get let go. I got let go years ago from with a group of guys from the Kansas City Chiefs, and we deserved it. We didn't get it done. Um, but it affects a lot of families. So that's where my first, where my head goes first. Um, second, it goes to fits, right? I mean, we've seen a lot of, it's a lot of great coaches out there. A lot of these coaches that just lost jobs at places are, are good coaches. Um, but I've seen so many hires over the years that you just head scratchers. Like they just, the, the coach needs to fit the environment, that region of the country, that fan base. Um, and so I'm just, that's where, that's where I go to. Like who fits at this place? You made it to the Iron Bowl, right? Um, no, oh, long story, but okay. no, I, I made it to Montgomery, Alabama, and I had to turn back around. But that's a, that's a story for another day, maybe off camera. Okay, but uh, I watched it all on TV and saw a good game. I, I was I was fascinated to get your perspective of that final play, uh, and I mean, perfect throw, perfect placement, great catch with the toe. But I don't know how on fourth and thirty-one. 
you you have a defense that allows that to happen, Jim. Yeah, and again, uh, um, as as someone that grew up the son of a, a coach, a high school coach, yeah. I'm really sensitive to question coaches. I just don't I don't do it. I understand people that do do it. I just don't do it very often. Um, but when you're at the 31 yard line, um, giving them that much time, you know, if they were yeah. at the 15, you know, I, I would maybe you know play a little more conservatively, but. But if you send six or seven and you bring the house, I mean, the quarterback's not going to have, Milrow's not going to have enough time to even get that ball off. Those routes aren't going to have enough time to develop and get down the field. So I didn't understand why they didn't heat the quarterback up on that one. Um, I don't know. It's it's unfortunate, you know, because the, the 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 young man that got beat on the play, DJ James, is is from Mobile, Alabama. He's going to be coming down here to play in the senior bowl. He's had a great career at Auburn. I hate that that's kind of – you know, the lasting mark for DJ's career. Um, he's he's going to have a long career in the NFL. He's a good player. Um, Jalen Milrow and, and Bond, just they made a great play. They made a historic play in that Iron Bowl. Well, and speaking of someone who, who saved their best for last, Joe Milton at Tennessee in his final game, uh, he wins uh, Reese's Senior Bowl, I think Offensive Player of the Week for his performance uh, against Vanderbilt. When you look at the whole season for him, especially with this this last game where he really padded some stats and, and that one against Vandy, what do you see with Joe Milton? Well, I you know all season he he he's had moments all season, right? Did it did it really come together? Did it, did he have a Hendon Hooker type season? No, from an efficiency standpoint, you know I think that's where the drop off was in this offense was just the efficiency with Hendon last year, keeping them on schedule, being more accurate. Um, but I think Joe's in the same place that he was when the season started. He hasn't hurt himself. Um, he's still a guy that the NFL is going to be extremely enamored with when it comes to the physical tools of the player. Um, it's just regardless of what position you're talking about, there's always going to be the guys that, that quote unquote don't grow on trees. Um, Joe Milton's just a guy like it's going to be hard to find a guy with that athleticism, that arm that size. And now he's played a lot of football now too. I mean, this guy's been in college football for a number of years, a couple different systems going back to his time at Michigan. He's been exposed to a lot. Like if you're trying to talk yourself into a developmental quarterback, I mean, Joe Milton's the one guy in this class you feel really good about because, because of all those positives I just listed. So um, has it been perfect this year? No. Um, but man, if he came down here to mobile, I think there'd be a lot, a lot of NFL teams excited to see him down here during the week and, and excited to spend time with him during the interviews. I, I think by and large, um, offensive line discussion, fans, they they don't relate to it, right? And it, we're not watching a lot of offensive line play. I do believe that offenses right now in the league are really bad in most cases because it starts up front across the league on the line. It seems as though based on our chats that help us on the way because this offensive line <laughs> class could stack up with like 2019 when they had five first rounders that year. And I know you have a, a handful of offensive linemen coming to the Reese's senior bowl, top 75 picks. There, there's several of them this year. And that should help uh, in the next couple of years for some of these teams that can barely punch it in the end zone. Yeah, if you're a team that needs offensive line help right now, this is this is the year for it. Uh, you bring up that 2019 class. Yeah, we had five first-round picks. And a, a number of those guys, probably four of them, played their way in during Senior Bowl week, had a really good week. And we had a commitment yesterday from Patrick Paul, the left tackle, 
from Houston, uh, you brought up Dana Holgerson. You know, Patrick's been a really good player down there. We actually had his brother in the Senior Bowl a couple of years ago, who starts right now for the Washington Commanders. But you go down the list. You talk about, um, you know, Christian Haynes at UConn. These aren't all these are aren't all household names yet. Um, but NFL draft fans will get will get uh, familiar with them pretty quick after the weekend mobile. You got like Christian Haynes at UConn. You got Zach Frazier, the center from from West Virginia. Who just who just suffered an injury this past week? We'll see if he's going to be able to go. Um, but like you know, the Patrick Pauls. I mean, there's there's already like you said, six or seven guys we feel good about as top seventy five, top hundred picks. Um, and there's a number of these guys when it comes to the Senior Bowl invites right now that don't even have them yet. Um, you know, we've had Ohio State. Ohio State just got theirs today. Um, okay. they, they let me know that they put them in the guys' lockers. But like Michigan, Alabama, Georgia, Oregon. Um, and there's a lot of these schools still sitting on invites. And I will say this while we're on the air, kind of breaking news right before I, I came down here to get on with you guys. Um, maybe the best pass rusher in this year's draft um, just sent his uh, accepted invite in. And that's uh, Latu from UCLA. He's a guy, if you're, if you're on Twitter a bunch, I know you guys are like me. Um, it, Latu is, is one of the best pass rushers out there. A lot of people have him as like a mid first round pick right now um, going up against this tackle group. Um, man, there's going to be some really good battles. He's a really skilled pass rusher. This is, you know, some guys win with speed or they win with power. Um, and, and Latu's got a lot of that stuff, but he just knows how to rush. He knows how to set up blockers. He knows how to counter. Um, just a really good player. So that's a big one. We uh, we ring the bell upstairs every time we okay. get an accepted invite in the office. And and I about pulled the I about pulled the bell off the wall um, <laughs> when that one came in on the email. So that was a good one. Now, that's great news. I saw a stat, too, where UCLA was the only team in college football to not allow a run of more than 20 yards all season Wow! Uh, wow. With, with that defense, which is quite impressive. Um, impressive slate of championship games this weekend also, Jim. Which one are you most anticipating watching? The SEC. Um, the SEC. And they're all going to be good. I'm going to watch all of them. I mean, I love championship weekend. It's great. It's great football. But but that that Georgia Alabama that's that's big boy football if you will not that the other games aren't but you talk about good on good physical big on big fast on fast on the perimeter um, it's kind of a, a NFL scouts you know dream matchup you know we've talked about earlier in the fall we talked about LSU Alabama this is this this is that game to a different level this year at least I mean some some years that LSU Alabama game is the game this year this is the game um, Georgia Alabama so that's that's going to be the one uh, I'm most interested in watching. And I know it's the one the NFL guys will be most, most glued to as well. What was your just overall reaction to Ohio state, Michigan and the Wolverines getting the win yet again? Uh, great football game, great football game. Um, you know, kind of a play here and a play there, you know, uh, just like the Roman Wilson touchdown. I know that I'm sure Ohio state fans thought there was, there was a case that could have been overturned. I mean, there's just some plays here and there in the game. Um, you know, I thought the coolest part of the game, honestly, um, was when Zach Zinner went down. You know, Zach is a guy that, that uh, you know, got a Senior Bowl invite. We would have loved to have had him here. Um, again, I don't think Jim's given out the invites up there, but certainly a guy we wanted to have in the Senior Bowl. Um, the right guard, really good player, two-time All-American. Um, and when he went down with that broken tibia fibula, um, just as the very next play, Blake Corum, you know, goes in from a, whatever, 20 yards out for that touchdown, um, it just, it's the whole, the, the big house just seemed to shift on that one play. And I hated it for Zach Zinner. I do, man. Like that kid, yeah. that, 
that's a that's a really rough spot to uh, a gruesome injury. Um, but you saw what he meant to his teammates, and this is kind of the sappy football guy in me. But like, I love that stuff, man. Like his his teammates matter to he matters to his teammates, and that that really seemed to lift that Michigan football team from that point out. It just felt like the whole momentum in the in the building shifted, and with the teammates, so. Um, really good football game, really good college football game. Hey, next week, let's dive into the Heisman discussion and uh, we'll recap, of course, championship weekend. But, I mean, there are a lot of awards to hand out across college football, and I'm sure several of them will be receiving invites uh, from right there in Mobile. So uh, always great to chat with you, Jim. Thank you for the time. Yeah, thanks, guys. I love award season, so we'll yeah. uh, we'll get into that. But have, have, a, have a fun time watching those games. Yeah, same to you. Thanks, Jim. Jim Nagy. Right See you, guys. There. Yeah, man. Um, yeah, how about the getting a, a solid pass rusher in that. But Latu also from UCLA, big get. Yeah, but I mean, also a lot of the top players haven't even received their invite yet through the coaches, which he told us last week. Yeah, it's, it's up to the coach to... It's crazy how that process them. works. They may not want to distract their guys uh, while the season's going on before big games. So they wait until the very end to even hand out the... You would think they just get them to them immediately <laughs> yeah. once they get invited, but that's not the case. Coming up, prime time. He's asking for prime donations. Fundraising. After saying they weren't going to be an ATM. Now I'm right. confused. Now they need to be an ATM to get players. Right. Withdrawal. Uh, that's coming up. Hot my with Honey with our rolls on. Hour two straight ahead.